Hey guys, it's Jesse. Listen, it is the end of the year, and for many nonprofits just like ours, what happens over the next several weeks really decides what we can do in the year to come. So here's the deal. If you have benefited in any way from this podcast or if you appreciate the work that we're doing, if you want us to continue, we really need your support. We depend on listeners like you to make this happen, whether that's a small gift, whether that's a large gift. We really need you. We need your help. And we would be so grateful for your compassionate and generous gift. In order to support us, you can just head over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash donate. It's an extremely simple process. It does not take much time at all. So if you're listening to this and you think, well, I can only give five bucks, that's not going to make a difference, it would make a difference. So please head over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash donate. We would be so grateful for anything that you give. Love thy neighborhood. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Discipleship and missions. Mission. For, For modern, modern times. Say what you need. Say what you need. And Say what you need, say what you need, and I'll be there with to spend. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Inia cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram and help you build better relationships. And today, we are continuing our series on how our personality impacts our relationship with God and our approach to faith. Yes. So you've heard us say it at this point nine times yeah. or more, um, that Richard Rohr wrote, how we relate to God always reveals how we will relate to people. And how we relate to people is an almost infallible indicator of how we relate to God and let God relate to us. So in other words? How we relate is how we relate. Yeah. You have that one style and you just like to use it everywhere. Yep. So the way you relate to God is the way you relate to others Mm -hmm. is the way you relate to yourself. We have this one thing we do. Yes. So today we're going to look at how that shows up for the type nine the peacemaker. So today's content is building on our 101 content from season one of the show. So make sure that you have a basic understanding of the Enneagram before diving in further, or you're going to feel a little lost. Right. So today we're going to look at three things. First, how does their personality influence their relationship with God? Second, how their lens influences their view of God? And third, how God heals people with this Enneagram type.
All right, so first, let's explore how their personality influences their relationship with God. So, Lindsay, give me an idea of what this looks like for the type nine when they're healthy. When I picture a really healthy type nine, I picture someone who is like awake to themselves Mm -hmm. and to God, but who is also kind of at rest. Like Mm -hmm. they're able to just be in God's presence and to be really sure of who God is. You know, like they're not very shakable. They know their purpose. They know God's sovereignty and they're able to rest in that. They're able to take right action into the world and to engage their spiritual life, um, not kind of fall asleep and avoid. And they find comfort in the Holy Spirit. And that helps them to do that inner work and to engage in the conflict that's needed within ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, to battle that true self and the false self. And they're going to be able to trust God and speak truth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, their trust in God enables them to have that right action of speaking truth. Like, in other words, they have convictions and they're willing to state those convictions, even if that means that it's going to put them at odds with the person hearing it. They're awake to their convictions and they have enough peace and trust coming from a higher source that they can do that right action. Yeah, yeah. Um, The other thing I think of, I remember that uh, Sam Stevenson, who used to be my co-host on the show, Sam is a nine and she always used to talk about how much she loves all the passages about the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And she said that she just loved the idea of the interconnectedness, like Mm. that, you know, the toe and the heart, like they're both important, you know, and that there's not a sense in which one is elevated more than the other, but for us to be Mm -hmm. whole and cohesive, we need all of them. And so when I think of like a really healthy nine, I do, I think of somebody that is able to see the value of the whole Mm -hmm. and how God is at work amidst all of his people And it's not just an elevation of certain gifts over others, Mm -hmm. but, hey, everybody's important. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a place within this spiritual family. Mm, I love that. We definitely need more of that. Yeah. Okay, so that's the good news. Uh, We also needed to take a look at the ways that Uh their personality negatively influences their faith. And you love to tell people bad news. So (laughs) go ahead. Well, what I'm going to tell them first is that I'm going to remind us what Lisa Fisher taught us, which is that psychology informs theology. So in other words, our personality is going to lead us to lean more heavily on one theological principle or emphasis over all others. Yeah. So, you know, some of us might think that following the rules is the most important thing and we forget all about mercy and grace, you know, which are huge components or we're really heavy on mercy and grace and we forget about right action and truth. Yeah. Truth and justice. Yeah. So um, that leads to that slanted rule of life. So we relate to God through a skewed approach. We take good things and make them ultimate things at the expense of other good things. Yeah, yeah. And so for the nine, they do. They've got this tendency to relate to God primarily through peace. Mm -hmm. That's their orientation. And what does this overemphasis on peace look like? You know, you just alluded to it a minute ago. It's this sort of elevation of comfort. It's mm-hmm. this elevation of peacekeeping that really ends up sort of being sort of a pacifying of people or yeah. a sense in which I'm just going to tell you whatever it takes mm-hmm. just to make sure that the atmosphere in the room stays where I want it. And so you end up with people that are going along to get along. They're sort of just there, but they're not there. Mm-hmm. So they may 
go to church or, you know, sing the songs or listen to a sermon or even talk to their neighbors. Mm -hmm. But there's never a sense in which there's sort of a substance. There's not a sense Mm -hmm. in which they're allowing those experiences to shape them and change them. The goal of the unhealthy nine is almost like, leave me alone and let Mm -hmm. me just be as I am. I'm going to float. And I just want (laughs) to just do my thing. Yeah. And so what can happen is that the years can go on and the nine can remain unchanged because mm-hmm. conflict and experiences, you know, uh, engagement, those are the things that shape mm-hmm. us and change us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially with that vertical relationship with God, that if they become sort of afraid of that inner work, afraid of what they might find, afraid of the hard things God may call them to or the doubts that they have to, you know, we all go through those things like yeah. doubts, suffering, all those things that then they go to sleep and they mistake that sleepy, peacekeeping, narcotizing state for true rest and mm-hmm. true peace. And then they never actually wake up. Yeah. And they have to wake up before they will find true rest. Yeah, for sure. Which is that kind of paradox yep. of all types. It's like we have to do the thing we don't want to do to get the thing that we really want. Yes. Yes. Which is, you know, for any of our listeners who are more towards middle age, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a saying that a lot of nines get towards middle age and they become really angry mm. because they had been asleep for so long and suddenly they wake up and they're like, oh, I'm really mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's important that we have to be aware of those things so we can bring them to God mm-hmm. in honesty and go, God, these are real things I'm feeling and uh, I want you to hold them. Um, yeah. And so, you know, some other things just to look out for in terms of, you know, relational style, in terms of your your faith, you know, neglecting what is most important, difficulty mobilizing your energy for, on your own behalf, mm-hmm. you know, not just serving the agendas of others, but what is it that God has convicted yeah. you about that he wants you to step into? Your desires. Yeah. yeah. Difficulty establishing boundaries because boundaries can feel like if I put up this boundary, will God still draw close? If I put up this boundary, will my church withdraw? Will my, you know, will my Mm -hmm. friends withdraw? Avoiding conflict and disharmony and then avoiding discomfort. So these are all things just to be aware of. Okay, so that's how our type tends to relate to God. But one of the main reasons that we relate to God incorrectly is that we see him incorrectly. So let's talk about the lens of this personality type and the way it distorts the way they see God. Yeah, they can end up seeing God, at least functionally, Mm -hmm. as somebody that doesn't see them or doesn't really care about them. God is sort of vague and indifferent to them. He's busy with other people. Uh, important people. Important people. Yeah. Important agendas. Mm-hmm. And whatever's going on with the nine, like, it's not that important. It's yeah. not, you know, and he's busy doing other things. They can also tend to see God as a threat. If I go against God's wishes, mm-hmm. what they perceive God's wishes mm-hmm. are, then God will have to bring his strong hand against me. Mm-hmm. And I that will obliterate me. I can't stand that. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, there can be a reluctance to want to come to God with honesty. Yeah. And a sense in which God is just asking for more than they can give. Like, God, why why are you asking for this much? Like, you're asking for my whole life all the time. I got to do everything. Like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. And you just want more. You're not a giver. You're a taker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel some of that in some of those lies. I do feel some of those. So the true image of God that we see reflected in the nine and for the nine is that God is our true mediator. You know, that he sent Jesus, like a physical person, to mediate on our behalf, and that he is the Prince of Peace. You know, that that's a name given to him. 
in the Bible. So it's very important. And that he is the God, I love this for nine, who calms the storms and casts out chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, like you think about like the children who were demon possessed and they were tossing themselves into the fire and just how chaotic that must have been for those families, for the child. And that he, he casts that out. He has power over the chaos and that he is a God who says he sees every sparrow. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. And so for the nine, there is no more important person than you in yeah. God's eyes. Yep. He loves all his children and he made you for a purpose. You're not just like you just happen to be here. And so God's like, well, since you're here, I guess I'll love you because I'm mm -hmm. God like mm -hmm. that. You know, it's like, no, he has a specific purpose for you and that he loves your nineness and he has plans for you that include your nineness and that he is so intentional in that way. I always find it fascinating, like how each of the types give to others what they yes. themselves really need. Like the gift of the nine is they see everybody as important. Yeah. Well, God sees them as important. Yeah. Like there's not a hierarchy there. Okay, so for type nines, we've looked at how personality influences their relationship with God and how their lens influences their view of God. And that leaves us with the question of how God will heal mm -hmm. people with this Enneagram type. Right. And so he's not going to heal us with good advice, which is great because nines don't actually really like advice. I find. <laughs> I'm married to a nine, so I'm just going to say at least my nine. It's like, yeah, yeah, talking head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what he really needs is good news. Yeah. Capital T truth. So what is that capital T truth for the nines? Yeah. Nines live, are living with a lot of guilt. And what's fascinating is like where the one tends to feel guilty for the bad actions they've done, the mm -hmm. nine tends to feel guilty for the things they haven't done. Yeah. Like the nine carries this sense in which I was called out and called in to do something and I failed to do it. And so it's like this guilt of inaction. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, and God responds to that with forgiveness. Yeah. Because there is a sense in which we are culpable, all of us, yeah. for the things that we haven't done that we should have done. And God responds to that not with this fierce hand of judgment, this mm. sweet forgiveness of mm -hmm. no matter how deep your sin goes, his grace will go even deeper. Mm. And he responds to their shame with his delight. He loves the nines. He responds to their fear with his presence. Mm -hmm. I am here with you. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid. Okay, so what does that look like? You know, what is God saying to the nines? You know, what is the good news he tells them? And that is your presence matters. You know, and that's yeah. what I was just saying a second ago of just, I made you for a purpose. Like yeah. I formed you. I, how many times have I quoted Psalm 139 on this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. a thousand times. But it's so good because it just shows us he made each one of us just how we are. And he delights in that. And he's already declared it wonderful mm -hmm. and that that's true for the nines and he wants them to show up in that purpose mm -hmm. not just float through life he says your presence it really does matter yeah mm -hmm. which is also to say your absence is felt yes um god feels your absence your friends feel your absence your community feels your yeah. absence because you're loved um and this good news it leads to transformation so after receiving this good news you're invited to respond so as a disciple move from sloth 
to exertion. Mm -hmm. Engage life wholeheartedly and display your convictions in the form of prioritized action. Mm -hmm. I will say this until I die. (laughs) Every nine listening, every day you got to wake up, make a list and do the list, list. make a list and do the list. Because of the way you're sort of wired psychologically, Mm -hmm. you have a propensity towards vagueness and you're not sure what thing to pursue. Mm. And you are invited to move out of this sort of vague inaction into prioritized action. And if you don't know what to prioritize, that's why you have community. Yeah. Ask ask. other people, hey, what do you think should be number one on this list? And spend time sorting that stuff out. Yeah, I really like that. And going into this next section, you know, we are talking about investing in your relationship with God and A.J. Sherrill's spiritual formation tips. And that really strikes me what you just said of making the list, doing the list, that you can include your spiritual practices in your list. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's so easy to forget. Like, Mm -hmm. all of us, it's easy to forget. So if there's a breath prayer you want to say, yeah, write it down. Write it down at 9 a.m. and 12 and 3 and say it, you know, and— Use those smartphones, you know, set those timers and alarms to remind you of stuff. We don't have that on here, but that's kind of a spiritual discipline is, you know, making the list and including the practices you want to engage in. But we'll also talk about AJ's list. So he gives downstream disciplines, which are the ones that are a little easier, more go with the flow. Um, For nines, he says silence and solitude and communing with God in nature. Yeah. And I just want to say, Mike said it when we interviewed the fives, and I think it's true for the nines, that silence and solitude is not easy for anyone. Yeah. Because— It's still a discipline. You're good at being quiet. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're actually engaging your heart, your body, your mind in that silence. You yeah. know, you can be having that monkey brain yep. um, and all that. So I just want to encourage nines that it doesn't mean it's like, oh, you're supposed to be really good at that. It yeah. still is a discipline— to cultivate. Yeah, but the ability to go out onto a trail and take yes. a walk by yourself be and to alone. be in nature. Yes. yes. Um, there's something about that activity and seeing all the interconnectedness of nature mm-hmm. that helps the nine orient their place in the universe. Mm-hmm. It's like and it's a peaceful place. Yeah. Like yeah. out in nature. Yeah. Yeah. And the final tip would just be this, you know, AJ's upstream discipline is fixed hour prayer and truth telling. Fixed hour prayer, Lindsay alluded to this a moment ago, but it is literally to go, okay three times a day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop for 60 seconds. I'm going to stop for five minutes. I'm going to stop for 15 minutes, whatever it is. And I'm going to pray. And and the goal is to bring you back to the present, to be mm-hmm. in the moment mm-hmm. and to, uh, to bring clarity to your mind and heart so that mm-hmm. your mind and heart can be aligned with God's. And then the truth telling, yeah, sometimes you just got to take those risks. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you mm-hmm. got to say that the truth of your convictions, even if it bothers other people. Yeah. So, so that's uh, that's our teaching for type nines. We love type nines. Yes. Lindsay especially loves type I nines. Really She's love, married to one, yes. uh, but neither of us are type mm-hmm. nine. And so, uh, we are excited to talk with a nine whose art that we truly love. Uh, our guest today is Jasmine Mullen. Jasmine is the lead singer of the New Respects. To say that I am a fan <laughs> is an understatement. I listen to them all the time. I wish you guys could have heard him before we started recording. Yeah, I love you. I love you. Yeah, I love. Their, their stuff so much. Uh, their music has appeared on World Cafe, NPR, and they've toured with artists such as Need to Breathe and Switchfoot. Jasmine is also the curator of the Instagram account People Be Dressin', Love where it. she interviews strangers on the streets about their fashion, their personal style, and their favorite thing about themselves. And she is a nine on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Jasmine. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Well, we are super stoked to talk with you. Really grateful that you're here with us. I guess let's start here. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Enneagram and what the initial takeaways were for you? Oh, my goodness. Yes. So we were on tour, me and my band, and we had met up with a friend in D.C. Her name is Amy. And Amy was telling us about the Enneagram. And I was like, whoa, this sounds really cool. And we were reading through it and she started talking about being a two and I identified a lot with what she was saying. And I was like, for sure, I'm a two. Like, I'm a two. Like, this thing is about to change my life. And for like a year, I was just like convinced that I was a two. Um, until I did a little bit more like research into what uh, the Enneagram actually is. And like, not just like the behaviors. I do think I have a lot of two behaviors, but but like the motivations behind it and started listening to podcasts and talking to other people. And I talked to an Enneagram coach once, um, who is also like a friend of ours. And she was like, you're not a two. I, I think you're a nine. And I was like, a nine? No, I'm not a nine. And, I'm, and she's like, no, I'm pretty sure you're a nine. Then I started to do like a little bit more digging about the, the nine. And the more that I looked into that, the more I was like, oh <laughs> yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Well, stay with us because when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jasmine Mullen. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Kirsten, the recruitment assistant at Love Thy Neighborhood. We recently asked some of our alumni how serving with us has impacted their lives. Hello, my name is Trevor Martin. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Trevor served with us for a summer, and after his term, he went on to pursue medical school. And he said that serving with us shaped not only his personal life, but his professional life as well. Every day in the hospital when I'm when I'm seeing patients, I'm able to lean on that experience that I had with Love Thy Neighborhood and show compassionate care and ultimately point to Christ and point to a greater hope. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30 through the areas of service, community, and discipleship. You'll grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Hey, welcome back to the Uniacast, Jesse Eubanks. And me. Lindsay Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we are continuing our conversation with Jasmine Mullen. Uh, Hey, so what do you find the most difficult as you relate to God and what comes easily for you? Gosh, that's a great question. The most difficult thing I find relating to God is probably that he specifically will show up for me. It's not that he's not present for me, but to believe that he would move on my behalf is Mm -hmm. like hard for me to process sometimes because it is that thing of like, well, I mean, there's so many things you could be doing. Like this isn't that deep in my world. And I never think that about anyone else, but it's definitely specific. This thing in me that goes, yeah, I know you're always here. Like you're my present you're my ever present help, but like, you're not going to shift things for me. 
even after I've seen God shift things for me, I struggle to believe that sometimes. Is it that sense of um, like you, you don't feel like you're all that important in the grand scheme of things? Like, is it that? Yes, I think at the at its core, it is that. And it's like, I think that I tend to prioritize myself last. So I go, God probably prioritizes me last too, Mm -hmm. which is like a really weird, like thing. And and when I've talked to God, he's often had to say to me, you are no, I'm no respecter of persons and Mm -hmm. you are not a special, like so special that I wouldn't see you. You know, like I see everything. I see everyone. And you're not like a special case where I like just don't want to see you and I don't want to move on your behalf. And but it's still hard for me to believe. So it's something I actively like have to like be like, okay, God, like I agree with you when you say that you see me and you want to move on my behalf. And like, like I choose to agree with that. Hmm. Okay, can you tell us about a moment when you saw your personality influencing your relationship with God or your theology? Yeah, I think for a long time, I was asleep to my relationship with God mm. for most of my life. Actually, I have I mean, I've grown up in church. And if you looked at the things I've done in my life, I have not really I think I give like very good Christian girl vibes. If you looked at the story of my life, like I haven't like had like a rebellious phase really, if I'm being completely real, I never really have gone off the rails or anything like that, but I didn't know who God was. I just like, I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I knew I didn't want to disappoint my family. I knew that I believed that God was real to some extent. So I was like, let me just like do what I need to do. Mm. As long as I can like kind of keep things like as they are, like then I know I'm probably going to be fine. I did the church thing. I did the like, I'm a youth leader thing. And I knew like the songs to sing. And that doesn't mean that I never like encountered God because I definitely had moments of encounter. But for a really long time, like I didn't know him, like Mm -hmm. the way that I know my best friend, Sydney. It wasn't like that. I was just like, I know about you. Yeah, because I I imagine, you know, with somebody that's got a lot of that nine quality, mm-hmm. you grew up in an environment in which, you know, everybody that you sort of love and respect, they speak Christian language, mm-hmm. they yep. have Christian relationships, they may even have careers tied in some way to their faith. Like there's so much at stake, percent. right? Yep. And so then you take uh, somebody who's got this a personality in which they're like, they have a fear of being cut off from mm-hmm. people that they love. And so they're like, yeah. well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna roll with this. And there can be like a sort of sleepwalking. Yeah, yeah, you know? they're present, but they're not activated yeah. into it. thousand yeah. percent. Yeah, but at some moment in your life, there's a threshold where you you, yes. you woke up. Like you were like, yes. I'm not gonna just sleepwalk anymore. I'm gonna make some choices here. And so something changed for you? Yeah, so this is like kind of wild, but... It was a pandemic, so it was 2020. So I couldn't go anywhere except for my mom's house. She lives on a farm. And one day I decided to listen to, um, her name is Alex Seeley, and she was doing these things on her Instagram called like good morning, Holy spirit, where she was like drinking a cup of coffee. And she was like, this is what the Holy spirit is revealing to me this morning. And she told this story about how her husband had 
been so upset because he was a believer and was watching his wife like encounter the Holy Spirit and like all his friends encounter the Holy Spirit in real ways. And even though he loved God and loved Jesus, like he didn't have the same experiences. One day he was just like, talking to God. And he was like, Lord, I want to have that kind of an encounter with you that my wife has with you. And he said when he was driving all of a sudden, like he didn't look to the right in his passenger seat, but he like physically felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, like in his car. So he like pulled over to the side of the road and was like weeping. And he said that the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to drive home and I want you to introduce me to your wife, like as if I'm your friend and invite me into your house. And so he like drives home. He's starting to walk up to the door. And before he gets to the door, his wife feels the presence of the Holy Spirit and she starts like weeping. And he then knocks on the door and he's like, this is my friend, Holy Spirit. And they're both bawling and like invite Holy Spirit into their home. So I'm like, wow, that is so cool. Like I wish that could happen to me, but it won't probably. And Jesus was like, why, why could it not happen to you? And essentially the Holy Spirit then said to me, I want you to start setting out a cup for me every day, like a cup with, of coffee every morning when you take your coffee. And I want you to talk to me as if I'm your friend. And I was like, my family's going to think I'm real strange. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like the pandemic has gotten to her. <laughs> right, right. Like, oh my gosh, she's breaking down. And he was like, no, I want you to set a cup for me every day. And so I started setting a cup for the Holy Spirit every morning. And at first it was like mad awkward. Then after that, it became this thing where like, I talked to God like hours a day. I would start going into like, the woods and like I would talk to the Lord there and that is really where like things started to unpack for me and I like really started to know who God was for the first time in my life in a real way. It's fascinating to hear you talk because there's a sense of uh, like you describe your life before and there's a it's like there's a distance to it and then now when you talk about it there's like there's very much like a vibrancy to it like like there's Mm -hmm. definitely a before and after moment Mm -hmm. Um, a thousand percent yeah that's it's beautiful. Thanks. You know, so I come from a divorced family. So I, I had, you know, I had my mom's house, my dad's house. You've got, yep. uh, and you've got that dynamic as well. And then mm-hmm. you've got siblings. So like you're part of, you know, a pretty sizable family. Um, yeah. How do you see, you know, your personality and your faith and your role in the family? Like how are all those things kind of mixed together? I, for a long time, thought I was a two because of the way I related to my family system in terms of service. I'm the oldest kid and I'm also the only daughter. So there's just like a lot of like duty mm-hmm. there in terms of like serving. And my mom's a Christian artist. So for a lot of of my life, she was gone on weekends. Yeah. And your mom is Nicole C. Mullen, a gospel singer. And I did start traveling with her when I was like 13. But before that, most of the time I was home with my brothers and my dad and like kind of second mother vibes, like when mom was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I developed unconsciously this emotional responsibility of just kind of being maternal and some of that was not supposed to happen and I think as a peace well I was meant to be a peacemaker but 
most of my life was a peacekeeper, trying to make sure the temperature of the house stayed the way it was supposed to, so that like nobody was feeling like they couldn't breathe. And I, I spent a lot of my childhood like walking on eggshells. Yeah, yeah. If that makes any sense, and kind of trying to keep like keep the emotional thermostat set to a predictable yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so as I got older and I got to go to counseling and stuff, there were things that I had to just kind of learn how to break down. Like this is a responsibility you're never meant to take on. And just kind of having to unlearn, like doing things to keep the peace, Mm -hmm. which is still difficult for me. Like when I'm back with my family, there's a natural jacket that I want to put on that just doesn't fit me anymore of like, how can I, how can I help you emotionally? Like, what do you need? Like, I don't matter. I can be okay with whatever you want to do. I can be, you know, it's like, actually like, that's not who God intended you to be. Yes. He's called you to make peace. And then there's also sometimes a conflict that comes inside of making peace. Like, conflict can exist while you're making peace. And that is so rough for me because I'm like, no, 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 Mm. there should be no conflict while you make peace. And that's just not, that's just not the way that God works. Like oftentimes as he's made peace, even in like the old Testament, there's been war as he's making peace. And I'm just like, so there's just, (laughs) I've had to like grow or remind myself that I have already outgrown mm-hmm. the clothing that I want to keep wearing. Mm-hmm. I love that metaphor. That's an easy image to hold on to. Like as you're driving into the driveway mm. of your family to think, you know, when I walk in, I'm not going to be Mr. Rogers and try to put on a different jacket. You know, I'm yeah. going to yeah. stay present into the fullness of who I am and who I'm becoming. I love that. Yeah. So we talked about um, that each type has a key message they long to hear. And you talked about really feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know, and having your morning coffee, you know, with Jesus and the Spirit there. And what effect does that have on you to picture him saying to you, you know, your presence, it really matters? It both like shakes me to my core and my flesh wants to dismiss it. Mm. Like a part of me wants to be like, cool, of course. Like that's something that you say to everybody. Like it's something I would say to somebody. Like that's nice. Moving on. Yeah. It would just roll off the tongue. Right. But like when you think of the gravity of the words of God, there's just like nothing flippant and nothing untrue about them. Mm -hmm. When I think of it that way, that like God never says anything that returns void, then my presence mattering It's not just like something to say, it's a promise. And I'm like, okay, like I get to show up as if I matter. And as hard as that might be, like all I have to do in order to like walk in that is be because it just does. Mm. I don't have to like make it matter. Like it just matters. But it also is something that I'm, I go, oh no, like I don't know if that's true, but it, but it is. Mm -hmm. And like whether or not I believe it doesn't ma- make it untrue. It just is. I just mm. I just matter. I like yeah. That. So really, it's like it's it's an issue of accepting it. Mm. You know, yeah. you don't get to decide whether it's true or not. You only get to decide whether you're going to accept it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
That's good. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much, you know, personal stuff with us and yeah. talking about your your faith. And I think that we're due for a little bit of uh, silliness. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, uh, I like silly. Yeah. So, uh, so listen, everybody, stay with us because when we come back, we will be playing Best Story Wins with Jasmine Mullen. We'll be right back. Here at LTN, we're all about helping people build better relationships. And we've actually created a brand new way to do that with our Say More conversation cards. Say More is a deck of 100 questions to kickstart engaging discussions. So there's silly things like, which famous cartoon character are you most like? And there's also serious things like, what has been your hardest goodbye in life? You can use our Say More cards with your family, your friends, on a date, at the office. My family and I have been using them at the dinner table, and I've learned things about my kids that I truly never knew before. To grab your own deck of Say More cards, go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. And while you're there, grab a couple more decks. They make great gifts for Christmas or birthdays, and all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So... Go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click store and get ready to say more because better relationships are just a question away. Welcome back to the Indiacast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for Best Story Wins. Okay, so our game today is called Best Story Wins. It's really simple. I'm going to read off a topic, and each of us will take turns telling the best true story related to that topic. True story, Lindsay Lewis. True story. I got it. I got story. it. Embellished. No lying. Embellished story. Got uh, it. <laughs> at the end of each round, uh, we will each vote. No one can vote for themselves. Whoever has the most points after two rounds wins. Are you both ready to play? Ready. Ready. All right. Topic number one. A time I lost an item in a really unfortunate way. (laughs) A time I lost an item in a really unfortunate way. Uh, Lindsay, would you like to go first? Sure. Okay. I don't think I've ever really shared this story with many people, but fifth grade Lindsay had a boyfriend. And he had bright orange hair that was like slicked all the way back. And he gave me this very large, like, costume jewelry. Like, it looks like a real jewel, but it's not. Okay. Nice for a fifth grader. (laughs) I would not wear it now. It's like an emerald or something. (laughs) So anyway, it was way too big for my finger. So I, like, taped it, you know, to, like, make it shrink. And then the coolest thing to do when you're in upper elementary was to go to the high school football games. So we're at an away game, this giant stadium, and I'm there with my best friend. So we go to the bathroom because, you know, we had to pee and we go in together because we're girls. And then I'm washing my hands and I'm like, oh, my gosh, where's the ring? Because uh, he's there, too. We're uh-huh. all at the game together. And I'm like, so and so. Oh, my gosh. What happened to my ring? And she's like, you just had it. Like, what are you talking about? And then I remember that as I was going to the restroom, I thought that the toilet paper was a little prickly. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. No. So 
to summarize, it went down the toilet. And I'd already flushed no. it. So your bling went into the sewage yes. system somewhere. So not only did I lose it, but like in such a private way. Oh my gosh. And so I'm like swearing this friend to secrecy. And she's like, I'm not going to tell. Of course, of course. We go out. She tells him right away. No. And he breaks up with me. Then? Yes. Oh, no man. way. Yes. She's the worst. She is the worst. You need to do EMDR just on her. <laughs> good grief. Yeah. So that's my story. Wow. That's a good one. Yeah, it's pretty good. That is so good. sorry. Uh, <laughs> Fifth grade, Lindsay. It's okay. okay. Jasmine, a time that you lost an item in a really unfortunate way. Okay. This is a time that I lost a cruise ship in a what? really unfortunate way. Yes. <laughs> so my mom was singing on this cruise there's she used to do this thing called women of faith Mm -hmm. and they did women of faith at sea one time and we are going to alaska so we get on this cruise ship me and my family we go to alaska and we're like wow this is amazing and we port at i want to say juno we walk around we walk around having the best time and then it's time to come back board the ship um so we get to the port to board and the cruise ship is miles away and we see it sailing away without us we are truly horrified my mom is like so unbothered about things like I don't know how like her tour manager was weeping like it's me my mom my dad my brothers and the tour manager and the tour manager's weeping and my mom starts taking a camera out and she's like hey guys we uh <laughs> we lost the boat oh my god and it's totally okay like she's just like vlog- there wasn't even YouTube like that like I don't know why she was vlogging <laughs> this was not Instagram <laughs> this was not no this is not the era I was in like seventh grade and she's like, we lost the boat, guys, but that's okay. And <laughs> we literally had to fly to Canada what? and then like walk. Yeah, we had to walk like oh two miles gosh. to the port. What? And we reboarded the boat to get oh home. Oh, my word. Holy smokes. That's amazing. Thank God that... we got our passports. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a, that's a good that's one. Good. Okay. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go with a very simple story. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... I was 19 years old. I was living in Oakland, California. I was broke as a joke. I mean, I had (laughs) no money, like no, no, no money. Uh, Living there as as a missionary in West Oakland, Lower Bottoms. And we would often go through the shipping yards in Oakland and go to the park that sits at the very tip of Oakland, and it overlooks the San Francisco Bay, which then overlooks the city, San Francisco. So as somebody who had no money, that was a really nice thing to do. Well, some neighbors of mine had started to teach us how to play dominoes. They said, hey, you can borrow this domino set, but just make sure it comes back to us because it's it's sentimental to us. Mm. And we were like, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So we go down to the shipping yards and we go to the park and we're sitting on a picnic table and we're playing dominoes. And I pick one up and it slips out of my hand and falls to the ground. And I think, no big deal. Yeah. I'll pick it up. Well, we were on decking. And there was a tiny slot between two boards. And when I looked down, the domino against all odds slid exactly between those two boards. Oh, no. No. And was gone. That is horrible. And I could do nothing about it. It's in the bay. I mean, it's not even like... 
Right. What do what I do, do about do? that? It's just gone. Ugh. And it was like literally in like a two second window, I went from being in a great mood to being like horrified. And yes. I, I was stuck. That's a good so one. there's there's my domino story. Wow. Okay, Jasmine, who do you vote for? I'm going to vote for, this is really rough. This is hard. This is hard. <laughs> I'm going to go with the first story. going to be real. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a good one. It was a good one. I am going to vote. I think I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for Lindsay's too. Yes. I think I'm going to vote for Lindsay's too. Lindsay, that was a really good story. Thank it was you. a good story. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to vote for Jasmine. Yeah, the boat wow. is pretty Thanks, good. Lindsay. Especially, I mean, the boat part is good, but especially they had to like fly to Canada and then like hike basically to get back to yeah, the boat. That's the ridiculous silliness really is, yeah. But Jesse, I do, I empathize because we actually have that situation on our personal deck and we have a toddler. Mm-hmm. So anytime no. we're outside with anything, I'm like, Nada! Don't oh. drop it. <laughs> Don't drop it. Uh, okay. Prompt um, number two. Prompt number two. Best thing I got away with or didn't. Mm-hmm. Best thing I got away with or didn't. And ladies, oh, you got to go first. I'm going to go first on this you one. You got an arrogant look right. about you. Same era of life, <laughs> living in Oakland, California, and we went over. Uh, so uh, this is long enough, long enough ago. Like we got the newspaper, and mm-hmm. there was an article. <laughs> this is like, what I say. It sounds so dumb. Uh, there was an article in the newspaper about a baby whale that had washed up on the shores of oh. Alameda, California, which is next city over. So. My buddies, who are also, you know, early 20s, late teens, we're all idiots. And so stupid. we're I mean. all dumb. <laughs> so uh, so they say, let's go find the baby whale. And so I'm like, yeah, let's go. So we go to Alameda and we follow the instructions, like where they describe it. And we realize that we have come to an abandoned military base. It is surrounded by barbed wire. We could care less. We climbed the barbed wire. (laughs) You couldn't care less. We couldn't care less. We climbed the barbed wire and we proceed to walk the runway. First off, runways Mm -hmm. take 45 minutes to walk. So we walk the runway. We get over to the shore. We find the baby whale. One of my idiot friends tries to remove one of the bones to put in his backpack. That's disgusting. It was disgusting. It was horrible. So then we begin to walk back. Through the military base again? Through the military base. And off on the horizon of the runway, we can see two specks that were not there before. And they're getting bigger. And they are coming towards us. And we realize that they are Jeeps. And we look around and there is, we are out in the open. The only option is we climb a second fence into a smaller area where there are two trees. And we climb to the top of the trees. The two Jeeps open that area and park under the trees. They are military police. Oh, my God. No. They are military police who have been sent to find out who these these guys are. are walking around on the base. So we stay in the top of these trees for 15 minutes and don't say a word to each other. We literally are looking down inside the vehicles. Like, that's where they're parked. Oh, my gosh. And after 15 minutes... They gave up. They left, and we climbed down, and we got out of there, and nothing happened. We the, got away with it. 
the question oh is, did God. they actually know you were up there and they were like, we just want those jokers to have to sit up there for 15 minutes? Yeah, maybe minutes. so. Maybe so. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So oh, there's, crazy. there's so there's my story. That's the best thing I got away with. That's, that's really a good. very, very good story. I wish that it was like a heist, though. Like we were getting something cool. Instead, it was like we're going after getting dead a, baby a whale, whale bones. Whale. That is gross. very gross, but it very is. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Which of you would like to go next? I think we should let Jasmine go. Okay, next. Jasmine. Oh, gosh. Okay, guys, this is not as good as that story at all. And I was going to tell another one, but I cannot tell it. I cannot. So this is my story. <laughs> <laughs> when I was also this, also in seventh grade, this is a second seventh grade story. I used to travel on the road with my mom with a bunch of other kids. Some of them are in my band right now. And actually, I'm going to tell the other story. This one is not good. I'm going to tell the other story. <laughs> oh, now I'm now. <laughs> Now I'm leaning forward. <laughs> I'm I'm now okay. interested, very interested. Okay, this is really horrible. I just feel so bad about it. Okay, I'm not even going to say when this was or whatever. But one time it was yester- I was talking yesterday. About, it was it yesterday. Was yesterday. I literally stopped it. It wasn't. It wasn't. But it was horrible. But me and my cousins were talking, and they were saying, "Okay, like if we were international jewel thieves, like who would be allowed to be on the team?" Like who would, who would do what? And I was like, I could just like, I could be the one who's like really nice. And then they go into the museum and they're like, Hey, like, I'm just a person looking at the museum. And then like, you guys could do this. And they're like, no, Jasmine, you can't be a part of the heist. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, they like, they wrote you out. Right. They're like, no, you can't be a part of the heist because you will give everything away. Like you can't, you're not good (laughs) at lying. You're not good at stealing. You can't do anything of the sort. And I was just so upset. I was like, why would you say this to me? And so then we're going to Chick-fil-A. It's breakfast time. And they're like, Jasmine, get us an extra biscuit. Like, just see if you can get an extra biscuit. But they were joking. I go into Chick-fil-A. And I see all the biscuits that we actually did order. And then I say, hey, you forgot to give me my other biscuit. And they gave me two extra biscuits that I didn't <laughs> pay for. <laughs> I have since made it right. <laughs> Did you make them two biscuits? You took them two biscuits? <laughs> she just I like left two dollars like, on the counter. I gotta pay for some <laughs> Here's what I I'm love. I'm so ashamed. I know. It's what I, I, the part that I love is that I can hear it in your voice. Like yeah, how ashamed so you ashamed. are and the idea that you stole from the, the Christian chicken place too. It's like, it's Wait, all. who does this? Who and does that we that? have so many Chick-fil-A listeners. I'm going to go to jail too. after this. I'm going to go to jail. Chick-fil-A is going to write no, me No, they'll up. forgive you. They'll be like, we Please. offer you like the Christians. grace of Jesus. Chick-fil-A has grace for you. Yes. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, that's so I feel one. sick to my stomach. Anyway, <laughs> literally, I drove. We drove in silence for like an hour after that because they were like, "Jazz, what's up?" And I was like, "I was like, do you see those biscuits in there?" And they're like, "Jazz, did you get some extra biscuits for us?" And then they're like, "Did you pay for those?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Jazz, and they're like, "You can be a part of the heist." You're like, you showed them. You're back on the team. To this day, they're like, Jazz, go into Chick-fil-A and get us some biscuits. I'm like, no, that's not funny. (laughs) You just feel like it was actually their fault. If they had never cut you from the team, you would have never had to do that. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) My sin is on their shoulders. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, All right, Lindsay Lewis. Okay, here's mine. Okay, when I was little, I shared a room with my little sister. So she was probably like 
I don't know, little, like kindergarten-ish. So I was a little older, third grade maybe. We shared a room and she was super messy and she was the baby of the family. She always got away with not helping me clean the room. And I would like make up games for us to clean the room. I would sit her down and like basically preach a sermon to her about why she should help me clean the room and like what I would do for her if she would help me clean the room. Like I would spend who knows how much time just trying to convince her to help me. Mm -hmm. And then she would cry and whine. And finally my mom would be like, Lindsay, just do it. And it made me so mad. Mm -hmm. And so one time we were doing that whole hustle and I don't even know what went down, but somehow I told her to shut up. And we were mm -hmm. not allowed to say, shut up. That's like the F word in your house. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so that's real. her eyes got huge, like, oh, you're going down. Because I was kind of the golden good child. Mm -hmm. And so she sprints to my mom and is like, oh, they told me to shut up. And I'm like running after her like, wait, wait, wait. You know, like, we can make this right kind of thing. Because my biggest fear was getting in trouble, mm -hmm. like my whole life, even now. Yes. Um, so she tells my mom that. And one other back thing you need to know is that my sister was a notorious liar. Like she would just lie for no reason. She just lied for the fun of it all the time. And yeah. she was a little kid. So it's always really obvious when she was lying. Right. And my parents were really trying to teach her to stop lying. So she's telling my mom this whole true story about how I told her to shut up. And my mom looks at me and is like, Lindsay, did you say that to her? And I remember having this split second moment where it was like all time froze. And you had an angel on one shoulder and yes. a demon on the other. And I was like, I could tell the truth and I'm going to get in trouble. But she kind of deserved it. And if I say no, I'll probably get away with it. And I just remember like before I could even make a conscious choice, I shook my head. No, that I did not say it. And again, my sister's eyes got huge, like how could you? Because I never lie, mm -hmm. ever. And so my mom just goes into her. What have we told you about lying? Get in your room and clean the room. Stop making excuses. Stop lying. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, it worked. And my sister was like, I can't believe you lied. And I just looked at her. I'm little, like third grade or something. And I said, you know what? That's why you should tell the truth. So when you need to lie, you can get away with it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's why you need to tell the truth so that when you lie, you can get away with it. kids. Man. I taught her some deep truths that day. Dude. Yeah. Lindsay, you stuck that landing. That was Thank good. You. Thank that you. That was good. You did. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Lindsay, we'll let you vote first. Okay. I'm still going with Jasmine. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Uh, Jasmine. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going with you, Jesse. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I, oh gosh, this is a hard one. I really love the Chick-fil-A shenanigans. And I also love that you taught the moral, <laughs> the immoral point of the story. Of yours. The story. Uh, the immoral of the story. Um, I'm going to go with the Chick-fil-A story. Okay. I can't pass up a Chick-fil-A oh story. No, gosh. you can't. You can't. Yes. Uh, Horrible. So wait, where do we land in the end then? So, so she has three. And I have two, and you have one. So Jasmine All right, wins. Jasmine, you are the winner of uh, of what what do we call this? <laughs> <laughs> Best story wins. Best story wins. It. Oh, amazing! Wow, I never won anything. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now our last segment. It's time for eleven quick questions.
Okay, Lindsay, go ahead. Number one, what word do you use too much? For show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is a word you wish you never had to say again? I have bad news. That's a phrase. Can I say Uh, that? I have bad news. Mm -hmm. Number three, what makes you feel alive? Being in nature. Mm. What repels you? People who have arrogant personalities. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite emotion? Joy. What's your least favorite emotion? Anger. <laughs> <laughs> what is the sound or noise that you love? I love the sound of rushing water mm-hmm. or a great song. Yes. Mm. What's a sound or a noise that you hate? I hate the sound of ASMR. Hmm. Like when people are like whispering with like, hey, this is ASMR. I I hate it. (laughs) Um, If you could switch Enneagram types for a day, which one would you like to try? Oh, wow. I think I would try being, I just feel like they don't get enough love. So I would try to get be a five for a day. Mm -hmm. Ah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you could tell your teenage self one sentence, what would it be? You are worthy. Mm. What is one thing you would like to say to God when you meet him face to face? I think I wouldn't want to say anything. I would just want to hug him. Mm. It's good. It is good. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us and for just being so open and vulnerable. And uh, I know it's going to help a ton of people. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so awesome. Can I ask you a favor? Yes. Do you have anything that you would sing for us? Whoa. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Anything you want. Oh, you know what? There's actually a piano in here. Perfect. Here's a song I wrote for my brother. I have not really played a lot. You got a line on your mind, I can see. A Kilimanjaro with fears you're believing on. But just so you know, my love is there when you need it. I won't say much, cause it's not what you need. No one needs words when they're down. And they're blaming all, but just so you know, my love is there when you need it. Say what you need, say what you need, and I'll be there. Say what you need. Say what you need and I'll be there with love to spare. No need for smiles or a big resolution. Maybe today we won't find a solution. But just so you know, my love is there when you need it, there when you need it, there when you need it.
If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Jasmine Mullen. Check out the new Respects everywhere that you get good music. Their latest EP is Don't Panic. You can follow them online at the new Respects on all social media. You can follow Jasmine at at Jasmine Mullen on all social media. Also, you can follow Jasmine's Man on the Street Style Diary on Instagram at peoplebedressin. Special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. You can serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Anna Tran is our media director and producer. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere and Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.